the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 83 for December 19th, 2006. Greetings, folks. Welcome to this uh, special holiday edition of the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. <laughs> Well, that's not really. A, no, it's not. It just sounds like a nice thing to say. Maybe actually next week would be a, a more fitting time for that, since it'll fall right between the uh, the what will be uh, Hanukkah will be over, Christmas will be over, and and New Year's won't have happened yet. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna do week. one because uh, Monday's uh, Christmas, which uh, that's right. Well, we'll do it. A lot Tuesday. of people here in the U.S. recognize. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nice day off, and uh, actually, yeah, that's my uh, that week there. I'm taking. Uh, the rest of that week off because uh, really got to take that vacation before, uh, before oh, it goes away. Oh, that's right. Of course. Yeah, most places are dead zones so the yeah. last week. Yeah, except except of course if you you know work full time in the Mac industry, in which case there's all sorts of chatter happening because Mac World Expo is right around the corner. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, <sighs> I'm waiting for the the flood of email for appointments. It, yeah, it'll come. Usually wait until almost the last minute. That's so. right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're here. We're here. So uh, today's show, we're going to talk about the uh, the iPod Shuffle, uh, which I've got. Uh, I actually have one from Apple, and John, you've got one from us, so we can both talk about them awesome. a little bit. Yeah, uh, we've got some more questions that uh, that you folks have sent in, of course, and potentially a solution for John's DVD problem that he talked about last mm-hmm. time. But we'll. Uh, We'll get to that. So, and I think we've got an answer for uh, the geek challenge, but kind of. So, I, I, you know, we, we can do better. But anyway, uh, let, let's get to this shuffle thing. So, you just started working with yours today, is that right, John? Yes. Okay. So, I, I'll uh, I'll I'll lead the charge here on on this one. So, the first thing that that I noticed is it comes in a very nice hard plastic case, which is new uh, to me anyway for from this whole iPod yeah. thing. Yeah. And uh, and. The size of the thing, it really did impress me. I've, I've held the little remote, and of course it's the same size as that little remote, but, but to actually hold this thing in your hand and think, wow, this, you know, that's it. It's awesome. It, tiny, lightweight, it's that anodized aluminum and, and you know, presumably won't scratch too badly. And, uh, and if it does, well, there's just not a whole lot of surface to scratch, so there, there you go. Yeah, uh, to, to go ahead. back, could I yeah. mention something before yeah, that? Please before do. you even get to it, and this is something... Where I think Apple is always in tune with this, the out-of-box experience. So you probably notice if, when you get the plastic case. Now, a lot of things in plastic cases, like DVDs, for example, are just you know, I cringe because I know it's going to be. You need the you laser know, a, torch a, to open it. A, a, a you know a, a monstrous effort to open it. You're That's gonna right. Need tools and you know a couple of people to help you. This <laughs> it had a little tab with an arrow on it, kind of hinting, peel this off. And when you peeled it off. Bam. That was the way to get in the box. Yep. And then when you open the box, the other thing I noticed is you take the pieces out. So you would initially take out the shuffle, and right. when you took it out, then the next layer almost like opened up, which was like the instructions and the documentation and stuff. Yep. And it's like, oh, and then underneath was the, the dock and, and the stuff. But just the presentation, even in something which most people dread, which is a you know sealed, you know, tape sealed plastic container, it was it was very pleasant and very different and very apple. So I, I I noticed these things. I hope some other people do. Yep. I hope Le- you did. I did. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It, you know, and like every other iPod, the, the shuffle is something that once you have it in your hand, you just kind of want to hold it and, and futz with it. You, you don't want to let it go. And uh, and of course, that's something that, that is consistent with every iPod I've ever I've ever had. But the shuffle even more so, you know, you toss it to somebody and they just catch it and want to 
hold it and, and that sort of thing. It's nice. I did notice that the one thing on the clip. Yeah. And I got to point this out. Two pretty much straight triangles. I mean, it's just visually. Yeah. So on the right side, the, the, the part of the clip is kind of a rounded thing. And then they have a tab. And then they, on the other side is triangles. I mean, it's almost like. I don't know. For the math geeks and the geometry geeks, you know, you look at this and you just appreciate how you could take something that small and make it, you know, distinctive and. Uh, so let's nice talk about at. that clip because, it, as most of you have probably seen, the shuffle's got a, a built-in clip. In fact, that's frankly that's all it is. It, it's just a little clip. Uh, it you can put it on your shirt. I can put it on the collar of my T-shirt. And the weight of it, it's so light that it doesn't bother me. I don't even notice that it's there, really. So this is, you know, perfect for doing all those things that you would do on the go with an iPod, right? And we'll talk about, a little bit about that uh, in, in a minute. Yeah. Um, all right. I so chime in with the, you. The connector, the connector on this is interesting. This is where it differs from other iPods. Obviously, it has a headphone mm -hmm. connector. But the headphone connector also duplicates as your USB adapter. It's it actually goes three. Normally, a, a headphone connector has has what two ports on it, and uh, and so this goes three deep. I believe. Actually, I'm looking here. I think it's four. Maybe it's four I deep. One, That's two, right. Three, four. Which, yeah. Sorry, uh, you, you're right. Explain Norm why. Normal stereo <laughs> headphones are three. This goes four. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so th I mean that's fine because it limits the the need for the dock connector. However, and of course this is the first shuffle that I've ever owned. I know you you had a previous shuffle. What that does is it limits you from using it in your car or anything like that where you've got a dock connector solution already. And and that's kind of yeah. annoying because, you know, you can't see the thing anyway when you're in the car, right? If you've got it, one of those things that you put in, say, your glove box or whatever, the shuffle would be absolutely perfect for using in that environment. And yet without the dock connector, you simply don't have that option. Yes, of course, you can plug into the audio out jack, go to the head. Uh, the sorry the tape deck and do that thing but it it could be it could be a, a more elegant solution if they could fit a dock connector in here obviously size is of utmost importance when designing this thing or at least that's the presumption so that's why there's no dock connector here i would i would assume um, yeah so it's clever i'll give them that i mean it's a, a good dual use mm -hmm. of the uh of the port absolutely there. Yeah. Um, but not working. And, and I think I've already seen some, you know, the accessory people kind of pick up on this pretty quick. And I think yeah. there are people, you know, coming up to, to recognize some of the shortcomings that, the, sure. you know, like I miss, I mean, the, the one thing I did like about the, the Gen 1 shuffle, we can call now, yep. um, was that it was a USB drive. That was cool. This, although it still appears as a USB device, which is its equivalent, you need this extra piece of hardware in order to do that so. that's right it has no usb port on it or usb connector on it so it's not a thumb drive in in the sense that the g1 ipod was that's that's absolutely correct and that's a, a good thing to notice inside itunes things are a little different again I've, I, I don't have a lot of experience with shuffles in itunes so you can tell me how different this is from your previous experiences john but i notice that uh there's a lot of things that you do inside iTunes that normally would be done right on the iPod, such as setting the uh, volume limit on this, such as configuring the play order and that sort of thing. Um, you, you put it into iTunes and you can basically tell it one playlist to go and get things from one playlist or simply get everything from your library. You can you can build a smart playlist, which is what I did that pulls things from other playlists, and then it'll autofill the, uh, the shuffle up to the point at which you have it set to leave room for as a flash drive. If you don't have it set to leave room, 
if you if what you're loading on doesn't fill it up, then you can use the rest as a flash drive. If if it does, then mm -hmm. then that space is taken. So. Now there's no in the, like with the Gen One, there yep. was actually a, a control panel where you had to slide it to say how much you wanted for hard drive, you know, or virtual, you know, USB drive, and how much for music. I don't see that anymore. So that, I, I think either the, either that's a that exists in iTunes now, yeah. or or iTunes has kind of gotten rid of the need to do that because you know you really yeah. don't need to just fill up as much as you can. Yeah, that that exists in iTunes now, at least with this one, and presumably with the with the Gen One Shuffle, the, it's the same way. Yeah. Now but the flash devices. Now, do you have a Nano at all? I no? do. I have one of the new Nanos that we can talk about another time too. Yeah. Okay, because I think this mirrors because the ability to not stick strictly to the the hot sync list, I think, is unique among the uh, the flash devices. I I believe you're right. Well, I, my old Nano did not have that uh, that capability, so. Is yours? Okay. But anyways. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, when I plug this in now, I got a review unit from Apple. So it's possible that it had been in someone else's hands before it got to me. So this is why I want to check with your experience, John. But I don't think so. I think I got it basically new out of the box. And I plugged it in and it called the device iPod and it said, iTunes oh. said, iPod is synced with another library. Do you want to erase it and start over? And I thought, oh, that's not right. Okay, and I thought, well, maybe maybe they loaded some songs onto it for me just so I could plug in headphones and start listening right away. And I checked it, and no, there there wasn't anything on it. So I went ahead and let it format it, and that was fine. You didn't. I'm 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 gathering that you did not experience this, John. Is that right? Oh, no, mine came okay. up actually with a uh, the, the normal iPod setup. Welcome wizard. Yeah, it's like, okay. hey, what would you like to call this device? You know, do you want to do this? You know, a couple of uh, startup steps, but it definitely, yep. in my case, knew it had never been plugged into a. Uh, okay, so, so it so, sounds like you've got something that may have been formatted, but yep. but didn't look fresh. Now, is yours iTunes, so. is yours formatted out of the box Mac format or is it uh, Windows PC? You know, FAT32. Um, Mine is FAT32. And oh, I, I would, where am I going to see that? I'm sorry, no, I'll see it in the Finder. You'll I'm see it in the Finder, correct? The, uh, yeah. I'm looking at iTunes, and iTunes yeah. does, does not have that. Yeah, detail. if you just highlight it and and do a get info on the on the drive, it'll tell you how it's formatted. Yeah, I didn't have it mounted, so okay. Uh, All so right, well we'll keep we'll keep moving here. Uh, you know it, Ricky uh, Spiro. We 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 wound up giving these to to most of the regulars here on the TMO staff. And if you're a TMO staffer listening and didn't get one, uh, tell me because you should have. Um, and chances are it might be lost in in well, except for that lost in one. the shuffle here. Yeah, well, except for that, that one thing. That's right. Person. That's right. <laughs> uh, however, it Ricky sent in. In fact, I should have played the voicemail, but I don't have it. Uh, Ricky sent in a voicemail. Ricky, of course, from the uh, weekly, the Apple Weekly Report podcast, formerly the Weekly Roundup. Oh. And he said, "Thank you Ooh. very much for doing this." He said, "It is the perfect gift because." It's something I would never buy for myself, and I will use it every day. And and that's how I feel about this Shuffle. I don't know that I ever would have bought one. Again, I know I said this about the Nano, and here I am saying it about the Shuffle, too. I never would have bought one. It doesn't have a screen, limited song capacity. What the heck am I going to use it for? Well, instantly, as soon as I got it and saw the clip, th the first use was painfully obvious. This is now the thing that I use when I play my drums. If I'm going to play along to music... It used to be the Nano, but the problem with the Nano is I got to find a place to put it. I either stuff it in my waistband or try and fit it in my pocket or whatever, but then the headphone cord might not be long enough and uh -huh. it doesn't really fit. With this, 
I start playing, I clip the thing onto the, the back of my shirt, my headphones go, you know, the cord just kind of sits down my back, and it's totally, absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, as, as Corey Cooper from the Mac OS G podcast said, it's great for lawn mowing. Obviously, it's great for running and that uh, sort of thing. Vacuuming, no. household chores, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I really, I, it, it, if you're, I know it's late, but if you're looking for a last minute Christmas gift for somebody, man, 80 bucks and they will, they will love you forever. So there you go. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's my feeling on it. Now, I thought your your first use would be, you know, when you're doing the high-powered kind of business thing and you wear a tie, yeah. would be to have, oh, you know, a tie, tie clip tie that clip. says, I'm a geek, man. Yeah, well, and you I could. I use my iPod to kind of keep my tie attached to my shirt. Oh, I like that. That's great. There's something. Or my yeah. tie from, you know, unraveling. Yeah, you could totally so, you know, I'm, use I'm, this I'm, as a tie clip. Yeah. It'd look a little weird. Well, you know, number one, I'm I'm thinking colors are probably coming. That would make sense, sure. I can imagine. I mean, sure. you know, the aluminum really blends nice with other Mac stuff. Yep. Um, the, the only thing I noticed, I tried to clip it on my T-shirt. You know, I got a T-shirt yeah. on now, and I don't know if this, uh, for for very active people, you're going to need something like an armband. I, do they have armbands? They probably do already for this. But Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. Like I said, I've played my drums with it clipped onto uh, really? the, collar, okay. the collar of my T-shirt, and I don't even notice that it's there. It's, okay. uh... You know, it's right, fine. Well, when yeah. you drum, you you go kind of nuts. So, yeah, yeah, I move so I a little bit. Uh, sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know the jog. You know, a lot of joggers like the uh, the nano because it's pretty light. Yeah, and, you are uh, bouncing up and down quite a bit there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. There Alrighty, you go. But it's a nice little gift. So that's that's the uh, that that's my that that's my thoughts on it. I it. Oh, it's a Fat Thirty Two. I checked okay. the, uh, okay. the file system. Mine came as MS-DOS uh, FAT32. Which is smart, because if, if you are going to use it in that flash drive uh, capacity, yeah. then that's exactly how you would want it to be, so that you don't have to, you don't care yeah. what, what kind of computer you plug it into. So and, there you go. And one of the touches that, you know, again, is just Apple. The icon, when it mounts on the desktop, is the device itself. Yes. It's not a generic disk icon. It's that's actually right. a little... Second generation, it even knows, you know, of course which it does. device it is. Of course it does. But you expect these things. You, yeah, well, you do. You come to expect them. I, what I even noticed with the uh, with the, the full-size iPods is that if it's black or if it's white, that the, the icon that shows up in the, in the desktop matches mm. the color of the iPod. So, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> All right. So I, I have a couple of things to add to my wish list, and they are, they are iPod-related. The first is... When you get a new iPod, let, let's say you buy one of these new Nanos, right? And you're an old Nano user and you really like it. It would be great. But, you know, the Nano doesn't hold everything. In fact, m probably most folks, certainly me, I have more things in my iTunes library than will fit on my Nano. So I've got special playlists and I manage this whole thing and I set how my podcast should go. Da, 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 da. What are you at now? Four or, or uh, how many gigs on the you can, Nano? You can have an eight. The, 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 the one I have is okay. a four and the new one's a four as well. So... uh. It would be very, very handy to be able to say, look, yes, this is a new iPod, and I want you to duplicate the settings that I have for my other Nano on this. Give me a list. Say, yeah, I want to copy the settings as they exist for this other iPod. Bam, copy them to the new one, and then I can tweak from there, right? But it would be nice to have that as a starting point, don't you think? Don't you think that's a the good iPod idea? iPod Migration Assistant. Yeah, it's not even really, you're not even migrating the, the data. iPod configuration there you go. assistant. And along those clone, lines. Clone, so you're saying clone a certain level of what yeah, one iPod already has. Clone the settings from one to the other. Right, exactly. 
Now, the other thing I would like is to be able to muck with my iPod settings while my iPod's not plugged in. I leave my, my Nano currently is the one that goes with me in the car and all that. We've talked about this. I like it. it it's not huge, but it's enough. And it, it doesn't suffer from uh, temperature variances, right? There's no hard drive to worry about in the winter, which is starting to be an issue. I would love to be able to edit what is going to be on my Nano the next time I sync it mm-hmm. without the Nano being plugged in. You know, it would be nice if I'm sitting at my computer, the Nano's not there, and I think, oh, I would, I want to make sure I put that playlist on there the next time that I sync it. Well, it might be three or four days before I sync that thing again, and I'm gonna forget. And I gotta all, I gotta learn all these songs for the for the MacWorld All Star Band for the gig, you know, on on January 10th there. Mm. And uh, and the the playlist still isn't on my Nano. Why? Because I don't think about it when I just grab my Nano and plug it in quick to sync. I think about it like now. I think about it when I'm sitting at my desk other times, but my Nano's not there, so I can't muck with the settings. They got to fix that too. Yeah. All right. So, so are you taking requests for uh, songs for the, uh, or are you guys pretty much settled on the? Uh, I, I think list, I think the the master list is is pretty set. But what what go go ahead throw throw something out there. Oh no, I was just saying. Oh. You know. If people have requests. Oh, we always take requests. We, we have a special form. It's got, I mean, uh, I know you take them. It, it's right. It's a rectangular form, and it's got 20. It, it's got the number 20 in, in all four corners on, on both sides, mm. and usually a picture of a guy in the middle, but it's green. Th- those That's the special Macworld All-Star Band request form. We take requests. We don't play requests. We take requests, as you, as you so definitely mm. pointed out there. All right, so I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a, a little piece of advice here. You know those green cash box coin star machines that you see at the uh, at the supermarket. You know you you pour your I've change. Seen them. You pour your change into them, and they give you ninety cents on the dollar or something like that, right I, back. I I do my own. Yeah, I do my own too. But there's 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 incentive now to use the coin star machine because yeah, they usually nail you for like exactly you know, however many percent for for just the sorting operation, which right. is. Like Why I, I said, didn't even have the bank do it because they're like, yeah, you know, you got to pay 5% for us to sort your money. I'm like, huh? Yeah. It's money. Yeah, it's, it's my money. Okay. That's right. <laughs> so, but yeah, they, they'll take like, I think they take 9% is what those things usually take. Maybe seven. Sometimes I've seen them as high as 10. Well, if you take your money to one of these coin star boxes, it has to be the coin star one and dump it all in. And instead of getting cash out of it, if you get an iTunes gift certificate with it, you get a hundred percent of your money. In in, in gift out. certificate dollars. You can also do the same thing with an Amazon gift certificate. And there's others too. There's there's lots wow. of them. There's lots of options to get gift certificates out of this thing. So that's pretty key. If you uh you know, if you get that big change jar sitting there, man, you can turn that into iTunes songs, dollars for donuts, one to one, you're good to go. So that's the Yeah. Uh, no, I saw a related thing today, just out, out of the blue, but I saw an article. I think it was was it Best Buy? Yeah. But some companies like Gift certificates because some people never cash them in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's... I think it was Best Buy, and it was absolutely. like tens of millions just because they never got mm-hmm. cash in. Now, of course, if you know you shop, you know at an iTunes store, or, uh, Amazon, you're probably gonna use it. But yeah, probably. I've Anyways. got a gift certificate from a year ago that I'm just now burning through. So they've gotten to earn interest on my money effectively all year. So mm-hmm. that's not as bad. long as they don't. To, uh, I know they've they've had some stuff going on in some states about this where some of them will charge you a, a, a what's the name for that silly maintenance fee oh and it, yeah the money disappears that's right yeah that yeah. should be illegal yeah. and I think it is and so in some states it is yeah so uh, problems 
Okay, well, uh, solutions. Yeah, we've got. Uh, I think we've got problems first. So two zero six 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 geek is the number to call if you have anything to add to the iPod Shuffle discussion or ask about the other iPods. We've got them here. We will be reviewing them over time, but I didn't want to do them all at once. I, one thing I did want to add that I, I didn't mention when we were talking about it is in the iTunes options for the Shuffle, you actually have the choice to downsample any high bitrate songs down to 128k AAC when it, when it copies them to the shuffle. So you can con- conserve space on the shuffle automatically by doing this, which is actually pretty cool. So that's, uh, that's that. I got to find our questions for this week. So we're going to start with, uh, I think we'll Victor. start with Victor. Yeah, yeah. We might as well start with Victor. Hey, John Dave, it's Vic here, and I know that you guys have talked about remote desktop until you're blue in the face, but I'm having a real unusual issue. I can get into remote desktop and access my iMac remotely. I can use Spotlight. I can send a Unix command. I can install packages. I can do everything except control it and observe it. I have looked at all of the corresponding ports. I have called AppleCare. Nothing has worked. Uh, if you have any suggestions for me, I am desperate at this point and believe I'm sitting on a $300 brick of a software application. So give me a Christmas present. Throw me a bone, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Did you say you wanted to take this one, John, or you want me to take um, it? Yeah, I can start here, but I think okay. what's happening is that, and, and this is partially to blame with the way Things are set up in the uh, system preferences, mm-hmm. I think. And I think, uh, yeah, what you found and I found tend to uh, agree with that. The problem is, I think, is that what's happening here, so if you go to your system preferences and you go to sharing and you say services, now this is something that someone who wants to be um, doing this uh, ARD stuff wants yeah. to go here and enable Apple Remote Desktop in the services. Yeah. Now, normally what happens, which is nice in OS ten, and I think just about any modern firewall, is that the firewall settings will correspond to match with what you've indicated as a service you want to open up. That's uh, right. That makes sense. The problem is is that you have to add something to the firewall. Now, one solution, which I think works, is you disable your firewall, but that's you know, some people don't like to do that. Okay. Especially if you don't. But but the, the problem that I found is that you also have an extra set of rules that you have to open up. Um, and so if you go to the firewall portion yeah. of the sharing, you can add, and I don't think this is a default, and this is where I think the problem was, if you say new set of rules, it'll say port name, and OS ten seems to have a bunch of different ones. One of them is called VNC. Yeah, that so what I found is by enabling that. So, so one thing I'm suspecting is that the machine that he's trying to get to may not have that rule set. Yeah, you're so absolutely it can't right. Get to the port that lets you do screen display, and from what I can see, just staying in, in the one screen that you're running ARD is is not sufficient to do everything. Because he was saying it, he could do some should, stuff, but not other stuff. It should be though. But you're right. It, it ARD uses two different ports essentially to to do things it's 3283 right. for all of the non-screen sharing stuff right and that like that's said that works right and then port 59 typically it's port 5900 but at that point when you go to screen sharing with apple remote desktop you're actually using a protocol like john said called the vnc virtual network computing and this is an open source thing uh and you can use multiple clients with it and we're going to talk about that in a little bit but 
when you try to use this, it starts with port 5900. And then mm -hmm. if you have multiple VNC servers running, you can go to 5901, 5902. The default is for it to just climb up. And, and typically it caps out at 5909, but of course it doesn't have to. It can be just about anything you want. Now, mm -hmm. in the default firewall rule, at least in, uh, in 1044, yeah. or, uh, sorry, 1048, uh, the, for ARD, the default firewall rule will enable TCP ports 5900 and 3283. So in theory, it's covered. The issue is just because it's covered here, it's not necessarily covered on any external firewalls that you have, uh, especially if you don't if you have, let's say, a, a router, right, where you're you're mapping ports from your router, which is getting the IP address from your, your broadband provider into mm -hmm. your Mac. So you've got to make sure that port at least port 5900 and, and really I'd recommend going 5900 through 5909 and yeah. open those all up and point them to your Mac, that will likely deal with this because it clearly, from clearly from the description, like you said, John, that the VNC part is not working, but the other part is, and that it, it, it's so obviously a port thing that, um, there you go. So, right? I'm with you, brother. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to Kyle here because Kyle had a related question that, uh, that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. Hi guys, this is Kyle from uh, Sparta, New Jersey. Um, just calling in to, uh, to find out which application I should try to use to uh, do a remote desktop session from from my uh, XB Home uh, to my MacBook Pro, or vice versa. I already tried uh, the remote desktop, but uh, the Home edition of XP doesn't come with a remote desktop. So uh, if you guys can just uh, shoot some helpful hints over to my uh, my neck of the woods, that'd be. All right. So, remembering what we just said, right, this is about VNC. Backwards. Yeah, well, it's mm -hmm. kind of backwards. He wants to do it both ways. Backwards because there's a very nice um, remote desktop client on OS X that lets you connect to Windows, but we're doing the other pretty way. much the opposite here. Right. So, yeah, there's, there's client and server. When it comes to really what Kyle wants to do is use the VNC, the screen sharing portion of Apple Remote Desktop. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got... Uh, Tiger, then you've got a VNC server built into your Mac. If you've got Panther and you install the latest Apple Remote Desktop client, which is free, then you've also got a VNC server built into your Mac. And if you go to System Preferences, uh, Sharing, and then Services, and go to Apple Remote Desktop and choose Access Privileges, you'll see a little checkbox uh, about halfway down the screen that says VNC viewers may control screen with password and you check that box and type a password in and hit OK and then anyone using a VNC client can connect to and control the screen of your Mac. There just so happens to be a great VNC client for Windows. There's a couple of them. RealVNC.com or Open... Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? What's the other one? Oh, oh that's... Yeah, OpenVNC. OpenVNC. I tried RealVNC. Okay. But, um... And... Uh, and so there's there's a client there that will allow you to take control of your Mac from a Windows machine or a Linux machine or, or any of the above. And it's all free and it works great. If you want to go the other way, you now need to install a VNC server on the Windows machine because it does not have one in there by default. Even if you've got, Win, even if you've got Windows XP mm. Pro, it doesn't have a VNC server. Uh, you could right. use you could use the the remote desktop connection with Microsoft, and that that would get you through. But that works in a little weird way. It doesn't really give you screen control. Yeah. It gives you a terminal session control. So, I, I don't know. My my experience has been install the VNC 
server on the Windows machine and then either use right. the Apple remote desktop client if you own it or go get uh, my favorite for the Mac is Chicken of the VNC, and that's a VNC client available for free. Uh, I love the name. I, I and the icon. It. It is, it's, all, it's all good. And that'll let you control. Chicken of the VNC will let you control Windows machines that have a VNC server on them. It'll also let you control other Macs that you simply enable VNC on. So if you want to remote control Macs for free, that's the, that's the way to do it. So there you have it. Right? Got it. Yeah, God. and I was actually looking up here. Windows, I guess, uses a, a similar port for for their protocol, uh, 3389. So I guess uh, okay. the 3000s are where that thing. But I, I tried this actually today. I you know tried uh, this evening to do a VNC client on Windows and go to the go to the Mac, and that does work for for basic functions. Of course, not for the advanced functions of uh, ARD. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not going to let you do spotlight and all that stuff. It basically you get a mouse, a keyboard, and a monitor connection to the remote computer, and that's as far as it goes. So, yeah, and you probably want, you know, good good bandwidth so you uh, don't choke your network with uh, <laughs> screen viewing. Yeah, VNC it does allow you to scale the uh, the video depth back a little bit, but I've I've done VNC over a dial up the dial up connection. It's not so good, but. Once you get above dial-up, even to like ISDN speeds, VN, VNC tends to work mm. fairly well, at least in my experience. Have you have you tried it for long periods uh, of time on, on slow issues, connections? I've had issues, though. Again, sometimes I'm on a corporate network, but I would say, you know, mm. get the gigabit Ethernet. <laughs> yeah, you want, just want the you, fat, you want the fat pipe from the house to the, well, from the, house went, to the office, right? <laughs> the problem is you and I started when yeah. 10 megabits was like, ooh. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But now I want fiber everywhere. I wish I could rewire the house here. Of course, uh, you know, the wireless uh, gets the job done. Fills in. Yeah. For yeah. now. Actually, yeah, I did. Uh, we'll talk about this in a future episode, I think. But I, over the weekend, I flashed my uh, router. Oh, with, with DD Work? I upgraded DDWRT Micro Edition. Oh, yep. Nice. Now it makes it, it, it it's kind of nerve-wracking because at some point you're basically uh, at yeah. a point where you could, as they call it, brick. Your yes. router, where if you if you don't do the right thing, and actually I did make one minor uh, hiccup or slip up, but uh, it worked. Good. But yeah, th you know, having your forty fifty dollar piece of hardware die is unpleasant. Not good. Yeah, and <laughs> so now, worked, now you can like, crank up. What's the... your back? Hmm? I was going to say now you can crank up the transmit level on your uh, on your wireless there and annoy the neighbors. Yes, just, I can. just make sure you don't overheat that thing though, because it will burn out that chip. Yeah. Ah, okay. I'm yeah. not too high That's on the uh, yeah. It's, it's below the maximum, but but also all my neighbors are all on channel six. So I guess hey, I that's the default. Box. Yeah. Right. Well, the yeah. way the way channels with wireless because... work, the way channels with wireless work is is six is typically the default for most devices, but mm -hmm. it the channel isn't really uh, it's not a a. a a defined separate space from one another. They're really the focal points that one through 11 yeah. are the focal points of the signal and they will bleed over. So if you've got mm -hmm. somebody on channel six and channel five, you're sharing some of the same frequency spectrum. But yeah. if you've got somebody on channel one and channel 11, they're, they're pretty much discrete from one another. So that there you go. Yeah. yeah. So when I ran a scan, which that was one of the features of this new firmware, it, it says scan neighborhood or, yeah. you know, scan premises, everybody that I can see, or even the ones that are protected, where yeah. everybody was on channel six. I'm like, 
I don't want to be on the same channel as no, you everybody don't. else that no. I can see. So, because, uh, you know, microwave ovens and all, all that yep. fun stuff interferes. But yep. that was nice. No, it's a, and, and actually I'm going to probably do a write-up or we may talk more about that. But but that firmware, I mean, I got to say, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a little tangent here, but that's what we're I'll all say. about. The, li- the Linksys firmware is garbage, at least on oh, my yeah. Mac. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. There will be times where I'd open them up. My computer, which most of us, especially if you have an Apple product, you open it up, you you know wake from sleep, and it connects immediately to the base station. Yeah. Here what would happen, I would get the Linksys one. Initially it would work, but the more I used it and other devices connected to it, eventually it got to the point where it just wouldn't talk on wireless. Yeah. Wired, yeah. fine, but wireless, it, and the only solution was to power cycle, which to me is, is unacceptable. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a Mac driver thing or, or a Linksys driver thing. I don't know. All I know is the the firmware now. You know, I've been going several days now, and I haven't had the cycle power, so that's a good sign. Oh, that's awesome. So, okay, back that's on great. the tracks. But no, that's I, okay. I you've, you've gone through that too, but it, oh but yeah, it, it was just something that was bugging me. Yeah, the yeah, you know, it's it is one of those things though. I used, uh, I haven't used Linksys firmware in a long time. I for a long time I used one from a company called Sveasoft, S V E A S O F T. And uh, and I knew this DDWRT was better. My brother had started using it, and I'd seen the screenshots, and I liked the options, and it was a little more flexible than Sveasoft stuff. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it because there's, like John said, there's this whole procedure of of going through, and you got to you know pull your internet connection down, and it just wasn't the time. But it, at least in my, in my experience, moving to DDWRT was totally worth it. It it totally gives you more geeky status than any of the other firmware. Um, revisions for the for the Linksys routers that I've seen it's it's very gratifying to to one's inner geek so take the Christmas weekend go ahead you know DDWRT <laughs> enjoy have fun just make sure you don't do it on Christmas day because if you do brick your router you got to wait till the next day to go buy a new one uh, yeah and that was the thing people asked me that they were like well what was your backup plan I'm like my backup plan is there's a Walmart within that's right. You know, several miles, and they have them on the on the shelf. That's, that's right. my backup plan. That's, yeah, <laughs> and that's not a bad backup plan. That's right. Uh, so this ARD thing and, and using chicken of the VNC and all that stuff would be a fantastic thing for a TeachMac module. And, of course, our sponsor for this show is TeachMac oh, at TeachMac.com. Yeah. TeachMac, if you haven't heard us talk about it, is an application that allows you to either view or create modules for learning certain operations. Take this VNC thing, for example. You could have a module, which you went in to teach Mac and choose the module, and you see a screenshot or a movie of this whole procedure, maybe installing and connecting to a VNC server, talking about going through the whole system preferences. You can see it as it happens. You can even have a voiceover track that walks you through it as this is going in real time. It's really easy to create these modules. I've done it myself. There are Mac Geek Gab modules in Teach Mac. The next revision, I'm told, I don't know when it's coming. At least I don't think I'm supposed to know when it's coming, uh, is going to have a little Mac Geek Gab logo right on the, on the, on the front there. And we'll have all the modules that, that both John and I make and the modules that you folks make if you make a module and you want to, you can actually put it up for sale in there, and uh, and you can help everybody out. If there's something you want to do, well, there you go. Log into teachmac.com, download a free copy of the software, either buy or download the modules. The ones that John and I have been making are, are free. Uh, I, I don't know what the rest of you are doing because it's your thing. But teachmac.com, you can see them at Macworld Expo next month, booth S1338. That's teachmac.com. We'll move along to SAC, 
who had a Skype comment that uh, that was sent in. Hey, Dave and John. Um, I have a two-part question for you. First, I'm running an Intel-based MacBook Pro and a PowerPC for my desktop, uh, eMac to be specific. I'm having issues syncing my mail. I do not want to get a .Mac account because I don't think it's worth it. Um, basically, I have all the settings uh, exactly the same in the mail application, uh, but for some reason, on the Intel-based laptop, I cannot get my, my mail to pop through on a consistent basis. Um, second part, I'm an aspiring podcaster, uh, specifically the Emerging Photo Pro podcast. You can find that at emergingphotopro.com. Nice plug. And I have a question. I got the RSS feed to go through iTunes finally, but when I do a search on iTunes, I can't bring up my my podcast feed. I can't do a search for it. Uh, yeah, keep up the good work, and I hope you can give me some answers to these questions because I need them. Thanks a lot. You bet. All right, so the first one, uh, whether or not you have a .Mac account, I, I think the issue here is that you're using POP for your, your email. Uh, the pop- issue is he should just pony up. The, is it what, $99? <laughs> yeah, 99 bucks a year, yeah. Uh, pony up because I I like dot Mac personally for syncing uh, bookmarks and uh, address book and calendar. And stuff yeah, but like it that. doesn't that's... actually sync your messages, and that's what his problem is. And dot Mac's not going to solve his problem here. Well, oh, I, right. Good I, thing because I saw in, my, in the in the sync panel it shows um, mail accounts. Right, it'll so sync your account include... settings. Right, uh, does not include yeah. the messages. However, it could, uh, but just not in not in that way. So here's the thing: you've All got right, two. So he's not that much of a cheapskate then. No, okay. no. You've got two machines downloading mail. One is your PowerPC and one's your MacBook Pro. Right. I don't think it matters whether what, what processor it runs on. Frankly, I think you could have one be a Mac and one be a Windows machine, one be mm-hmm. a Windows machine, one be a Linux machine. If you're using a POP account, which I'm going to assume you are, then, then the problem is this. When you connect to a mail server with POP, that's P-O-P, Post Office Protocol, it downloads the messages and unless you change the settings, deletes the messages from the server, right? So let's say there's five new messages. Your uh, eMac at home logs in, sucks them down. Now you go, your MacBook goes to log in. It finds two messages and sucks them down, but it doesn't see the five that the eMac just got. And the eMac, unless you set the MacBook Pro differently, won't see the two that the MacBook Pro got. So you can have some trouble. Now, mail.app allows you to... Uh, leave messages on the server for a period of time, and, and you have many options there, a month, week, until deleted, et cetera, et cetera. And that can help manage this problem. But I got to be honest, POP servers, it's not always as simple as it looks. There are message IDs and headers and things like that that can get confused, and you might find it works for months, and then all of a sudden one of your computers either stops getting new mail or downloads everything that's on the server just magically. It all just appears. There are issues with that. Enter IMAP. Now, I know you all heard me rant about how great IMAP is. IMAP allows you to have your inbox stored not locally. You have a copy of it locally, but it's stored on the server. So when you you don't actually download from the server, you do, but it doesn't 
the server is the, the master and your computers are just clients that sync to it. So if you have five messages in your inbox and you see them on your eMac, you'll see five messages on your MacBook Pro. If you reply to one on your MacBook Pro and delete it, it will show A, that it's been replied to, and then B, that it's been deleted on the eMac. So you have this, this unified inbox concept. .Mac does allow you to do that simply because your .Mac email account is IMAP capable. So IMAP, that is, P as in Peter, uh, Internet Mail Access Protocol. So that's the, uh, that's the answer to question number one, I think. Did, did it, got it. Right? Did, you think I got it? I think so. Yeah, no, that's good. But again, it's centralized mail management mm -hmm. and knowledge of what happened versus it being spread about on individual computers, in which case that just leads to chaos. And yeah. I, I just set my my dad is actually a Windows guy, but I just set him up with uh -huh. his laptop and his his home machine. I set him up with IMAP because he was telling me he's like I've got this weird thing, and I told him about the concept of IMAP. He says, "Oh, that's it, that's mm -hmm. perfect," and he loves it. Even though Outlook <laughs> Express does IMAP in a really weird way, uh, he's even loving it in that sense. So, as far as your second question, well, uh. you, when you when you create your podcast. Don't submit the feed to iTunes until you've got it right. Once you have it right, submit it to iTunes. Um, and if you had it wrong, try submitting it again. They may have mm -hmm. it on a list of things where they say it's already here, but try it again. If you have problems, I'm not sure where to point you because I think if I if I told you I exactly where to go, I, uh, I, I'd probably be shot and killed. Do you, do you have a better answer for what? them than one that's going to well, get me shot and well, killed, John? <laughs> I don't think I know that answer. That's good. But no, I'm, I'm just saying is that the only possibility occurred to me because I've actually at one point built these uh, RSS headers from scratch is there are certain fields that y you just want to be sure are formed properly. Now, I do not know if our uh, caller or Skyper or whatever is, yeah. uh, you know, what he's doing to create this RSS feed definition. I've used something called feed for all. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. kind of nice that, that, cautions you all right you probably want to put data here so that somebody will pay attention to you if they come across you so right. that was my kind of backup plan there is is are you sure your feed is uh is being you know processed in the right fashion yeah that it's formed properly if not then you know a lot of you know itunes and others may spit it out saying what's this yeah, I don't know. And iTunes is picky, and iTunes has its own subset of tags that are different from everything else. Yeah. So you know what? Uh, go ahead and email me, and uh, and I'm going to check with the folks at Apple's iTunes team. I'm sure they don't want me uh, spouting their email addresses on the podcast, but I'm I'm not sure what their policy is about uh, new folks and how they're supposed to get in touch with them. But I'm going to go ahead and ask them. Um, at the very least. The folks from Apple's iTunes team will be presenting at Macworld Expo next month. Uh, I know that, that. Yeah, I know that Pete Alcorn, That's who is the, the manager of the team, will be presenting there. So you can go to Macworld Expo, and these people are there in the flesh, just like when John or I present. You can come right up to us afterwards and talk to us, and uh, you know everybody's fine with that. It's 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 totally no problem. <laughs> really, it is. So we, we don't have we don't have the bodyguards though. No, we don't have bodyguards. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you know that's that. As a last-ditch effort, that is one way to get in touch with them. But I'm guessing, based on how helpful they've been throughout with, with us and, and others that I know, I'm guessing that they have a path through which you can you can get to them and, and work with them on stuff like this. I just don't know what it is. And so I, I don't know why I didn't think of this before we did the show, but I'm just going to ask them, and, uh, and I'll let you all awesome. know what they say. Yeah. Um, 
we are getting very deep into the the time here. We're already at forty four minutes, John. Uh, uh, it's deep, man. I th- I think we're gonna uh, I think we're gonna skip we're gonna skip your DVD issue here. Yeah, because Although uh, we solved it. It's it is be a it little, is solved. Yeah, a little nugget for yeah. a, maybe next year. Yeah. So maybe. well, no, not next year. But we'll 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 do one next week. So. Sure. Uh, yeah. Are you around Holiday next week? week? Are you around next week? Could be. All right. Well, let's do one like Tuesday or something. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not even going to play the, the the whole file sharing thing. Huh? The, the, the geek challenge from last week. We got one solution. I guess it's workable, but we're going to leave it out there. And, and the challenge is this. If you have multiple user accounts on one computer and you want to access the documents for a user account other than the one that you're logged in as... That can be very difficult because you can't, the permissions in the users folder won't let you necessarily access and modify documents and you can't share to your own machine. So uh, we had one answer using an automator script that that we'll play for you next time, but I Mm -hmm. I think there's got to be a better answer here. Um, So I'm hoping that one of you can- I think I saw a couple. We'll uh, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about it. So next week- Christmas will happen between now and then if you are the type to celebrate that sort of thing. Hanukkah is happening right as we speak, actually. Um, yeah. There's various night, other holidays. Night, if fifth you... night? I forget. Fourth uh, or fifth? Yeah. I... I'm not into that. But hey, it's kind of cool. You light a candle. I mean, fire is good, except for those of you listening who shouldn't play with matches. Like, like John. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so next week we will probably do the show. Does Tuesday night work for you, John? We'll, we'll just do it Tuesday again. We're, we're late this yeah. week because of some scheduling snafus, but, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll probably do Tuesday next week. Yeah. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll, we'll use that show to talk about a little bit about Windows on a Mac, um, and then we'll go through some of the re- remainder of these questions here. And, of course, anything that you folks send in this week, I can't believe I we... would say, uh, actually, what we'd like, and, you know, maybe we'll play some of this, is what do you think? They're going to present it. Uh, it what's going to be the big thing at uh, Macworld? Yeah, and actually start sending that stuff in. That that will that we will cover yeah. in the following show, right? Which will be the 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 second of January, I think, and then yeah. and then and then we're off to Macworld the the following week. So if somebody so. want to take a stab at what may be announced, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. You may get it right. Who knows? Yeah, we'll 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 play all all kinds of comments on the show. We'll maybe reserve some a slot at the end of the show to yeah. just so it could be just speed them. bumps to current products or it could be could something be. it could be the next big thing it could be they could be changing the name of the company to what macadamia nut <laughs> you know no i'm gonna that's about zero percent <laughs> all, right, all right so that means that that means that i've got good you know i got good return on that one if it comes if it comes to fruition yeah Cirque de Mac party, Wednesday, January 10th, 8 p.m. at the Red Devil Lounge in San Francisco. You need an invitation. If you want one, let us know. We have a limited number left. The, those of you that emailed me already, well, you've already heard back, so you know what your status is. If you haven't and you are going to Macworld, this is not a party you want to miss, if at all possible. The Macworld All-Star Band will play. The band, totally. Andrew Stone is going to be doing a light show using Videator. Uh, from, from stone.com. Yeah, man. It's going to be awesome. At the... At the thing, brother. It's going to be great. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. I know. It's great. 
I'm doing my Windows on a Mac session the day before that, Tuesday the 9th at 1.15 p.m., I am told. Um, I don't know where it's happening. The, the room was listed as, believe it or not, on the, on the thing, I, the reminder I got yesterday, the room is listed as magic. So I'm kind of hoping it's not magic not, and it actually exists. Roof. Yeah, I don't know. I got roof. Yeah, that's good. Roof is better than magic. At least we know where the roof is. So. It's magic. It is magic, my friends. Right. Uh, the podcast marketplace this month has the 6i isolator earphones from Edomotic, the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, of course, TeachMac from TeachMac.com. Backbeat Media Podcast Network is the place to sponsor the show. We are looking forward to seeing all of you at Macworld Expo. If you're going to be there, let us know. I don't know if we're going to be doing anything in public. There's a chance that we'll do something on one of the well, stages we could have the, there. Uh, the, so. the, gr- the group hug. Okay. The that group. sounds great. No. <laughs> we'll see. Can I get? Gonna, can I see the group first? Are we going to wait? Oh, waiting in line for the keynote. Waiting in line for the keynote, yeah. While you're waiting in line, what can you not do? Get caught. That's yeah. right. Made back. Hey, John, you know what they say after uh, after they catch you? Do you know? We gotcha! That's right. <laughs>